0: leading the conversation The Viewpoint 8 to 10pm Flipping conventional wisdom on its head Songhezomapepe on SAFM The script continues Zuelitini Dalingebo Mojaji Mbepu Succession of the royal seat across the many monarchs in this country has come with some turmoil the question then has got to be as I engage my guest Mr. Andile Zulu who is a political essayist columnist at the Mail and Guardian is why why can't something ostensibly as easy as a line of succession at the point of death the most difficult line to establish. Andile good evening your thoughts on that
1: Good evening to you and your listeners. It's great to be back. Um, Well, the concentration of the throne is definitely nothing new beyond Mm. the Zulu kingdom, but amongst monarchies throughout history. And I think what's significant to remember, if we look at our traditional leadership at large, is that those thrones, those royal houses, they have symbolic significance, but they also have tangible political power and also tangible financial power. So it's, again, a dispute amongst um, what you could call elite members of of our society for a piece of the pie, essentially.
0: But at some point there was, King Welakaya Daringebo had said, and this he was rebuking the political system and the political elite within the ruling party for the most part, but in the general sense, the political Mm. elite is saying that. In other words, they are fighting over crumbs. For the most part, this is what is happening, though I do indeed make the concession that in many parts of where these kingdoms are, generally the edifice of that environment is that of poverty on the margins of economic activity, and really there's good reason then why you would want to ascend to that king, because there are lots of social as well as economic protections and even political power that comes with Mm. that seat that is not found anywhere generally around you. But in essence, why should it be so politicized, so contentious, more Mm. especially when it should be easy to establish who should succeed, the incumbent?
1: So you would think that because the line of lineage is pretty clear that we should be able to move from one ruler to the next. But what you, do, what you discover when you look at the history of our traditional or indigenous leadership is that it's been constantly transforming depending on the large political changes happening. So when the, when the colonizers first arrived, when the Europeans first arrived in this part of Africa, what they did to disempower us was take apart our policies, so take apart our traditional leadership, and shift it around in such a way that those who are appointed, whether in the Eastern Cape, in KZN in Gauteng, so that those who were appointed were individuals who were submissive to colonial rule, who would undertake authority in the domain of the rural areas. And we thought then that we would have a shift in the nature of rural leadership. I mean, well, indigenous leadership in 1994, in terms of democratizing it, trying to ensure that it stands in line with the law, so we avoid these conflicts over succession. But in fact, even now... We have the issue where, because of what is at stake in terms of what those thrones represent, there is so much conflict in terms of not only the estate of royal houses, but also the connection that indigenous leadership has towards mining, towards agriculture, and towards people within the ruling party at large.
0: You are right when you talk about the intervention of the colonizer. certainly it did bring about instability. Can we always use that as a basis of some of the challenges present-day South Africa or Africans have? Would we always be so historical in pointing out the basis being Mm. the interventions of colonizers? I mean, are we so incapable of correcting a wrong that we know is a wrong? Are we incapable of being above what history has done to us? And are we incapable of, in these times, to respond to the challenges of these times, as a people, generally speaking. Surely that can't I, be true.
1: I think that's a good point, because as people who were once conquered, what we have to do is we have to kind of find a balance where you recognize the influence and the impact of history, because you can't comprehend the presence without acknowledging the past. The Absolutely. one is constituted by the other. However, at the same time, You know, we fought a liberation struggle to be responsible for ourselves because people are always making decisions for us. So on the one hand, it's about recognizing the fact that you are entangled in history, but at the same time exercising your agency to try and move forward to different types of futures. So what my concern has been with all these contestations for different thrones in our country, especially in the past five years, is How can our monarchies and our Indigenous leaders leaders begin to renew themselves and begin to respond to the challenges of the present, if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, it does. It, It does, and I sort of don't discount any of what you're saying. What I really am interested in, you walk into a room, there are problems. You acknowledge those problems at some point in that same room with those same people has to come a solution if that problem is indeed a problem that it is made out to be if it isn't then there isn't a problem and people should simply just carry on but to the extent that there is an acknowledgement something has gone wrong that is precisely the reason those people in that room ought to rise above that problem come up with a solution so that their collective fortunes as people in that room and people who will soon join those in that room can be better or for it. And I am asking this question not to discount what Mm. history has given us because it is a deep painful history that has in many respects broken the backs of Africans from language to culture to identity and all things connected and incidental therewith. But surely we've got the tools now. We have agency, not just through political power, but even the ability to speak as you and I are, to agitate, to advocate, to advance, to dialogue even, because everything starts and ends in dialogue. Are we now not in a position, however terrible that history is, Mm. to rest it back and own it, albeit then on new terms, for a new trajectory, and with some necessary compromises in the process?
1: So I think what what traps us in this kind of stagnated presence, where we seem to be facing the same problems again, and this applies beyond the context of just, you know, uh, the contestations for thrones. But I think the issue is that, number one, generally, there isn't a thorough awareness of our history and its effects. Mm -hmm. I think we are still we've barely begun to really unravel our history and and see exactly how it's affected us and in what ways. But more importantly, in regards to the contestations for for royal thrones, what's often been left out is the voice of ordinary people, the so-called subjects of indigenous and traditional leaders. Often they've been neglected in these conversations because they are the people who are the most affected by the results. Um, of who gets coronated and who gets assigned to be a king or a queen or a leader in a specific region. I mean recently um, the traditional leadership and Khoisan Act was passed um, by I think two years ago by Parliament. Mm. That affects 18 million people in this country and through that legislation traditional leaders in those areas are now able to make decisions about mining rights, about agricultural developments, about businesses, With third parties not consulting the people that they govern, that they rule on behalf of. So for me, whenever I look at the fights at the Zulu Royal House, whether in Limbobo, whether in the Eastern Cape, I always question what do the ordinary people need and how are they being consulted about who should be appropriate to rule them? I think that's often been neglected from the conversation.
0: Just that last point essentially is this, the dichotomy between the constitution and the legal institutions it establishes and regulates versus traditions of African customary law and where clearly every now and then there will be a conflict. It seems as though there aren't mechanisms, at least I don't get the evidence is there, that Mm. are built in in this new dispensation to engage those discrepancies or dichotomies or conflicts even.
1: So that's partly another layer of the issue and we had this recently with what's going on in the Zulu royal house is the conflict between the customary law in terms of what has been practiced for many centuries what is the living traditions of people mm. and then the new legislation that's been in some ways imposed upon us and in some ways you know we've relatively accepted it that's another debate what needs to happen is we need to figure out a compromise between those two forces because i'm not of the idea that they're mutually exclusive i think there is a way for people to still embrace their tradition while at the same time upholding certain democratic ideals and values and i'm not a legal expert so i don't know how exactly it could happen but i think there needs to be a conversation about how we're going to progress in the future in terms of ensuring that cultural custom is respected and adhered to But at the same time, ensuring that no one's rights are trampled upon, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a question of culture and rights. Rights stemming from the Constitution, culture from the lived experience time-honored traditions. What are your thoughts at home? Johannesburg Seven one four two thousand and six. 2006 your voice here is as important. Andy Zulu is a political essayist columnist at the Mail and Guardian. In his own words, he's not a legal expert. It might not necessarily require you to be a legal expert. And I take his point because there's some intricate questions of law that are invariably to be answered in this kind of conversation. But even the lived experience of you at home as an African in South Africa, knowing exactly what happens from where you are, the question then has to be, how do we move forward in engaging, among others, the political implications of the contestation of power? What does this do for you? Your ability even, for instance, to own a piece of land and to use that as an instrument for trade, for your development and development in the context of socio-economic advancements. I've got short of eight minutes left in this conversation after this very short stink. I'm hoping to field even just three calls, just a diversity or of thoughts and one or two pointers which may develop the last five minutes of this conversation with Mr. Andy Lezulu after this. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.1 FM in Durban North. Songhe on, on SAFM. We're talking the contestation of power in the traditional context in this country. We now have this happening in the Zulu nation. We seemingly have something that is the same in a shocking deviation from over 400 years of being ruled by a queen. The Bolabedu Royal Council has announced that Prince Letuk Tula Mujaji will be the next king of the Bolabedu tribe, the first in over 400 years of the tribe or the nation to be a male because... The Reign Queen, Amujaji, has always been at the zenith of the nation. The implications of just that in the context of equality, gender based violence in this country, I mean, we can break this down in many respects. How do you see things happening in just this for the Bolabedu tribe, the Andila?
1: I think it's a significant move, and as you said, it's a really shocking one. It's quite surprising. As you're saying, it's a time-honored tradition for centuries, quite literally. But I also, also think it's a reflection of where the country is going to in terms of institutions recognizing the fact that power in some ways is blind, if, if to make sense, in the sense that the ability to govern and the ability to rule is not necessarily one in which men are more gifted as compared to women and so on and so on. Mm. So I think what we're beginning to witness, especially as some of our monarchs will become younger and younger, some of them will become millennials at some point, is the ability of institutions to transform and change. And so whenever people express cynical views about how conservative traditional people are and how conservative indigenous leadership is, I say that that's not likely to last very long, considering... The viewpoints and the perspectives of the younger South Africans, especially your born free South Africans.
0: Hmm. Let's take calls, guys. This is interesting. It's a pretty time; he's very much running against us. Mr. Antilas is <laughs> on the line. Sello in Mokopane. He wants to throw his two cents worth. Please make a three cents, Sello.
2: Thank you for taking my calls, Sangaza, and come back. Look, I think in in the whole context of all um, royals monarchies or whatever you can name it there is this infighting amongst themselves whether um it should be a a lady or woman to lead us um the the fight will be there and on this one of my baby king we also heard that they were kings before um i think um, I need to be correct, I think there were also six kings um, and then the the women followed and the queens come to to rule um, Barbadi. And I, I do not think we should just uh, say no, why are we changing the tradition now? But we do not um, look further. What really happened uh, between those six kings that have been um ruling the wabedi king and then we concentrate too much as on the two hundred years that the uh, queens were leading us here as Wapedi people so i think the we should uh, balance this argument um uh, in a very fair manner because what if we do concentrate on one-sided um a, a, a story of the queens not bring the fact that they were kings before, uh, um, we, that's where we are going to have Good much point. difficulty to understand that.
0: Good point, I suppose, yeah. Things happen from time about. immemorial and then things change. The question is, to what extent then do we acknowledge and accept that change is indeed upon us? Continue, please. Let's go to Gole in Buluguan. Hello. Indeed. Yes, how are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? You Thanks
3: for the opportunity. Thank you, indeed. Uh, Sometimes we do not understand the intricacy of these royal families. I am speaking from the vendor perspective point. Mm -hmm. If a chief or a king is there in a vendor culture, you marry a non-vendor woman, that child will not be a king. There are some royal families who must marry from certain royal family for the child to be a king or a chief. And uh, the Mujaji one, you know, there are some secrets that we do not know, mm-hmm. but they said when they are inaugurated, traditionally so, they've been putting in there by the Makado family. But for some things, we do not know the secrecy. Nobody knows who is the father of the Mujaji queens. And it is something we do not know. But rumor has been that Masala Navo will not be a, key, a queen because she was born out of wedlock and she did not follow the tradition. Maybe we do not know who the father is and the person with the father is not supposed to be. But remember, maternal can be very important, but it's the paternal that determine who must be the king or the chief. It's, in Venda culture, a woman who is a queen will never be a regent because she's not of that royal blood. She's an outsider. Only her children or the sister to the king or the chief, Makadze, she's of that blood. In many cases, you know, if you marry Makadze, another, ro- another royal family or a you will never bury them.
0: Very well. Let, let's okay. move on. I, 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 I'm not cutting you, but I'm just trying to get some more callers through. Let's go to Johannesburg, get Deza. Hey,
4: how are you, Mr. I want to address something that is very serious, brother. Go for it. But can I use my vinegar? Let's try. You see this thing uh, for up it's a critical thing. Uh, Mr. Chongez, the first thing what a and a problem, is Prince Mangostik Cherise. Because he was born from Guazulu, when Uma Mawaki, we went to marry in a, in a royal, Chile. It was a son, it was a woman for was 10, if I'm not mistaken, or 11. So this thing, what they are doing there, in a Zulu culture, if you die, you are a man like you, Songhezulu. Your firstborn child, your father, you must take him spear and go I beg in your grave. Then people will start to dig your grave. So what they are doing there in Natal is wrong. Because Prince Mangosukchele is the one who's the leader. That one is misleading us. Thank you, so Songessi.
0: Yeah, Gadeza. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's he's, he's throwing hard, yeah. 2059. Andile, what I propose is this. If we have one more call, let's take it. If we have one voice note, let's take it. But I don't think we have enough time for you to respond to the callers as they have. So, in fact, we probably won't even have time for either call or a voice note. So, can we have your response, please, on the other side of the news, if you will indulge us, even just five minutes of your time, including the news. But clearly what is true here is possibly it was even... I'm not saying an irresponsible conversation in the first place to have, but it was too broad a topic to have because it is clear, for instance, when you talk about the vendor community, the vendor nation, there are intricacies there that are only unique to them. And it goes through among all the nations of this country and perhaps to use broad brushstrokes about something as internally South African as is this topic we probably will get ourselves asking more questions than trying to tease more answers out of the conversation. All the same, I do appreciate the fact that this conversation is being held with the hope that it is the start as opposed to its opposite. So, Mr. Andy Le Zulu, political SAS columnist at the Mail and Guardian, he returns after the break. We're going to news now. Good evening, Greg Host. I haven't mentioned your name in shy of two weeks.